0: Today on Stick to Football, we continue the previews. NFC West gets the treatment today as we're sitting here Thursday morning. Happy NFL season. We made it through a spring and summer of just dread and doom. But gentlemen, we finally made it. And today we get to talk about the NFC West. We get to preview and pick some games. Blind review comes back. We got draft on draft. It feels good to have made it. Again, y'all are listening to this Friday morning. I understand we're going to be a little bit dated. But it feels so good to be sitting here and to be able to wake up this morning and say, the NFL season is back. And and I don't know where y'all felt, but I know, like in March when the pandemic hit, It was like, oh, okay, we have time to get this under wraps. April, we were all focused on the draft. May, you know, we start our uh, quote unquote break that they had us take. Uh, And then it was like by June and July, I was like, holy crap, we might not have football. Like, it's not looking good. But the NFL really deserves a a gigantic amount of applause and credit for how they've handled this. And I know they're still skeptics. who are like, oh, we'll see if they finish the season. I'm just going to be excited today. That there's a game on tonight that is real and matters. Yeah. I mean, for those of you who
1: are listening on it on Friday, um, remember how you felt yesterday morning when right. you heard it. Uh, I'm very excited about it, too. And I do think, uh, Matt, you say the NFL hats, hats off to them. I think hats off to the NFL players as well. I, I think they realize how important this is and everything that they have to go through to ensure the, that they have a season. Yes, it's good for them. Uh, they get to collect their paycheck. But it's also really good for us. And I do think that they are sacrificing a lot, having to go through all these protocols. I mean, we even see it in the NBA. Now we have players Uh, Kind of violating bubble terms. So I'm very happy that we got football back last night. Very excited that it's football season. College football, maybe not the greatest this weekend, but it's going to be there. A full slate of games on Sunday, two Monday night football games. I just went from six to midnight, guys.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel as well. I mean, when you look at this, it's, it's crazy that we got to this moment. I think a lot of us expected the season to maybe be delayed. Maybe there not be a season at all. You know, fingers crossed. The NFL doesn't run into a lot of the hurdles that the MLB has, where they've had to postpone games, push things back because of potential outbreaks, and that they continue uh, with this momentum swing they have, especially when with the travel in effect. But exciting to see NFL football. Um, you know, it's, it's different. It's like we saw early with the college season, you hear all the yelling from the sideline instead of the fan noise, which, you know, obviously you'd rather have the fans there in full effect. Obviously there's some fans there, but it's, uh, it's a different experience. But at the end of the day, you know, we made it to this point and it makes this show so much fun. This is the best time of the year besides the actual month of the draft for this show. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to jump ahead in our rundown. What are you guys most excited for?
0: I do I feel like a kid like Christmas morning, and it's like, ooh, what am I gonna get today? You know, Thursday morning, I woke my six year old up. He's a gigantic Chiefs fan. He's been giving me shit for like a week that the Niners lost the Super Bowl. Like he did that after the Super Bowl, but it's back now. It's like, oh, football's back. I get to trash talk about your team losing the Super Bowl and my team winning. So I wake him up this morning. He's got a new Travis Kelsey jersey he put on. He's like, Dad, best tight end of football because Mello has yeah, been buddy. brainwashing him. <laughs> and it's like he's As excited as I am. So for me, that was like the like what I'm most looking forward to is getting to experience opening day in a season where he's really old enough to like experience the whole thing. But also, guys, like all these players that we evaluate and scout, like we finally get to see Chase Young play in the NFL. It feels like we've been waiting forever. We get to see the continued development of Kyler Murray, of Lamar Jackson, of Drew Locke. That's the best part as a draft analyst, I think, is to get to see the guys you evaluated from freshman year maybe of college, and you take them all the way now into year one, two, three, and on in the NFL, like as I've kind of gotten older in this this profession, like that's the best part for me is Man, I remember you when you were a 180-pound freshman, and now you're an All-Pro. So even, you know, with Chiefs-Texans, there's so many of those players that we get to watch. And then, you know, moving on to the weekend, it's that's the best part.
1: It and for me, like, that is why I'm an NFL fan. It's because for so long, I was a college football fan growing up, just loving it. And then... You know, following the draft, I feel like, Matt, you really, obviously, being my older brother, got me into the draft. I was like, oh, okay, I want to see where this guy's going to get drafted. And then I just kind of kept following those players. But for me, that's been the progression. Watching college football, oh, my God, where this, where's this guy going to get drafted? Following their NFL career. Uh, for me, I'm just excited about having that schedule back on Sundays. I I think that everybody experiences this, but after football's over, like after the Super Bowl, it's that, what the hell am I going to watch on the weekends? What am I going to do every Sunday? Don't have to worry about it. Cancel all my plans. I'll be on a couch watching football (laughs) every Saturday and Sunday for the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah, for me, it doesn't matter that the bars aren't open anymore, right? Or the restaurants. And, you know, obviously there has been some indoor dining returning here in a small capacity, but Sundays I time to not leave the apartment time to forget leaving the couch. My move is, Hey, uh, I sit in bed and watch free game. And then if I uh, have enough energy, I can make my way over to the couch. So it it is, it really is. It gives you such a schedule. It's always interesting after the year where you're like, wait, what do I do now with myself? You almost forget what it was like. So uh, obviously super excited. And especially with those Saturday Sundays, back to back, it's uh. I would call them them lazy weekends, but I feel like we're just as busy anyway. And and of course, with betting here in New Jersey, it brings a totally different element to it, uh, which is going to make the blind review we do later a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm going to be uh,
0: texting you my bets for you to put in a little bit later. <laughs> uh,
2: you'd be surprised how many people <laughs> try I to do that. Still these don't days. know if that's
0: legal. We're going to need one of our amazing lawyer listeners, Nicole. That's why I said try. i mean i think so too i mean does venmo really track
2: what anyone's doing i don't know if they do or not oh i have a funny story about that venmo so one year i won my fantasy baseball league i might have told this before and my team name uh is the cuban missile crisis because like the first year i did it i had like all the all the cuban players that hit a million home runs and when they sent me the the winning payment venmo stopped it and had to do a full investigation oh my god it. so so just <laughs> be, we have a so bunch be, of
1: people paying and probably the tagline is cuban missile crisis that's what it yeah. said in the
2: description and they were like uh this cannot go through like is this like war funds and it, and so be careful what you describe as a joke the real uh, reason in your venmo we can't do
1: tailgate tours because connor's on a no fly list <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah sorry guys i have to drive everywhere next year Oh, man, that's amazing. I do. I miss the fans already. Uh, Let's get into the news of the show, though, guys. Uh, It's funny. We talked about David Mulageta, super agent, Buda Baker's deal, Deshaun Watson's deal, and then he does it again Wednesday, getting Jalen Ramsey $100 million at the corner position crushes what Tredavious White got. Five-year, $105 million extension, over $20 million per for a corner. Uh, You can have a debate all you want. Is Jalen Ramsey the best corner in football? I personally don't think he's the best, but I think he's one of the three best. And the Rams, I mean, when they traded for him, you knew this was coming. When you trade for a player and give up that much draft capital to get this player, you knew he was going to get locked up and given a ton of money. Well, Jalen could buy that house he was looking at on Hard Knocks and then some. Put the pool in, Jalen. You can afford it.
1: Go ahead and do it. And I think that you're completely right here. When he was traded to the Rams, they didn't have that contract in place. And the Rams gave up so much for him that they almost had zero leverage. Uh, There's there's nothing they could do. They had to get a deal done. And when you're working against David like you know he's going to get his guys paid. Going over 20 mil per on that average and getting over $100 million. I, I love Jalen Ramsey, I think he's a great corner. I wouldn't put him as the top corner in the NFL either. But to see the, like, the difference between Ramsey and Tredavious White and their money, I absolutely ridiculous. Because I, I I think Tredavious White is a better corner. I think he's probably top two in the league. He ain't two. Uh, so good for Jalen Ramsey to get that money, though. You always like it when a player does that, because that means next guy up is going to get a good payday, too.
2: I think when you look at this deal, it teaches you a lesson, right? When you make a trade for a star player do the contract with the trade, because once you make the trade without the extension, that player has all the leverage in the world. And I think that's what we witnessed here on the Jalen Ramsey side of negotiations. The Rams sent a ton of draft capital over to acquire this player. And at the end of the day, the Ramsey camp, which is, this is great work by Mulageta is they knew that all the leverage, the Rams can't take the risk of letting him go after surrendering all those assets. Where on the Bills' side, it was a homegrown player. Uh, I'm a really big Trey White fan. I think the only corner better than him in the NFL right now is Stephon Gilmore. And and it's very, very close. And I think those are the two clear-cut top two guys. I I don't think Ramsey is in their category. He can get back to that playing level. But he has not been that the last two years. So I think this is a great job uh, by, obviously, Ramsey's camp. It's good for Jalen Ramsey. It really, really escalates the cornerback market. And this is a position group that if you're in the top, even if you're in the top 10 of it, you're going to start to see some serious, serious chunk of the cap.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's, we talked about this yesterday off air, that like that's when you look at these teams, man, it's the way they're structured. The Rams are paying a ton of money, you know, top end money to these guys. And Cooper Cup is next. They're in trouble. They were $400,000 over the cap when they extended Ramsey. By giving him $105 million, they were able to basically siphon enough money to get under the cap. So I think the Rams are, yeah, I do think they're in trouble. This is going to be a lot like Seattle, where how many superstars can you pay? And you have Jared Goff getting a lot of money. You're still paying Todd Gurley a lot of money. I don't know how Les Need and Sean McVay can flip this team enough to build that offensive line, to build the linebacker core. They basically, guys, can't miss in the draft, and they don't have a first-round pick. So their job is getting much, much harder. And Jalen Ramsey's great. You want guys like that. But as you said, Trey White being homegrown makes this a little bit different. Yeah,
1: I I think so, too. But, I mean, not a whole lot of news, but good for these guys getting paid. I I can't believe the deals that we've seen and the change uh, over, like, the market. With Mahomes and Watson getting their deal, uh, Christian McCaffrey getting his deal at running back, even. Uh, That 2017 draft (laughs) class, I can't believe how deep it was. I, I mean, at every single position, almost. And The running back class is one that I like to look at, too, because there's, like, eight guys who are almost all pro level running backs just from that class alone. And now we keep seeing guys like this. And now even Jalen Ramsey uh, getting paid.
2: That is a good thing to bring up, Melo. I think it's something we don't talk about enough. That draft was not that long ago. And there is a decent amount of talent that's already come out of it. I I mean, obviously, you look at the guys that got extended, Miles Garrett, Christian McCaffrey. um, You know, obviously, we talked about Trey White. Marshawn Lattimore was in that draft. Mahomes and Watson, you know, huge extensions. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Kamara was a was a later round pick. Juju is going to be up to get paid. That one's going to get very interesting. Uh, Dalvin Cook is expecting or hoping to get paid. You have T.J. Watt, who's one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Marlon Humphrey, who, Matt, I know you've been very high on as one of the better corners in the league. And the interesting guy, if you want to go back to the Jalen Ramsey conversation of trading for a player, not doing the extension at the time and giving him all the leverage, is now Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is going to look to get $20 million a year uh, from Seattle. And I think after this year, he might hold the leverage to do so so you look at the star power from this draft class it's good to see a lot of these guys start to get rewarded yeah we spend too much time talking about bust
0: and like oh like this guy didn't work out that 2017 draft. <laughs> We're like, oh, man, this draft out. class sucks. No, nope. Not 2017. It that didn't... one was good. Even if you go back 2016, like the, the top 10 picks and that, a lot of those guys have been extended and look very, very good as well. Uh, so j- like Melo said, there's not a lot of news to talk about today. You guys have gotten used to these like 25-minute openers on the show today. A uh, little bit harder to do today, uh, especially with the season actually kicking off tonight. We're recording Thursday morning. Don't forget about that. Uh, but gentlemen, before we get to Melo's, ever popular blind review of the game. The Chiefs and Texans has been reported are planning some form of joint protest tonight to send a message of unity and, you know, against the in racial injustice in this country and to continue that message of, yes, Black Lives Matter. I know a lot of folks get upset when we talk about these things. We are actually sticking to sports right now and sticking to football because you're going to see it on your television tonight. And you're going to see it a lot Sunday, too. So if this is something that bothers you, you might want to tune in at like
1: five minutes after kickoff. I can't wait to see all the tweets of like, I'm turning this off. I'm so done with the NFL. Okay, bye. Don't care. I don't need you to tweet and tell me that you're not watching something. I don't tweet every night and be like, oh, by the way, I'm not watching playoff hockey tonight. Like, I don't have anything against hockey, but I'm not letting everybody know I'm not watching it. So just Move on. No one cares about that tweet or how much money you spent last year on your merchandise and where you're taking it now. Give it a rest. Just don't watch if you don't want to.
2: And guess what? They're not going anywhere anyway. <laughs> everybody knows it's a load of shit. They're lying. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. everybody's watched. Yeah, everybody.
0: I There's like that guy that always tweets like, I'm done with the NBA, Charlie or whatever. And it's like, bro, you've tweeted oh, this every God. year for like seven years. You know, like you're <laughs> not done. You know, again, this is like the I eat at Chick-fil-A and i shop at target and home depot and everywhere like i, I i'm going to do what i do i saw like people talking about the
1: protest earlier today and one guy was tweeting and it was a it was a quote tweet from 2016 that's like i'm so done with the nfl i'm never watching again and then somebody found another tweet from this year that's like i'm done with the nfl i'm never watching again like bro it's
2: like how many times are you quitting <laughs> yeah. it's right. like becoming cigarettes at this Jake point Brett like hey, it's every month You're like i oh, i'm not buying my i'm throwing all my cigarettes out i'm not buying anymore Uh, Ah, i need to do it again like Like, come on give me a break uh
0: our old sticks football intern when we moved big country to joplin to work on uh he and Mello's radio show full-time uh he was like i gotta i can't like drink with you guys i can't drink as much as you do i'm gonna get fat i'll become an alcoholic i gotta stop drinking fun fact he hasn't like that is like everyone's like i'm not watching the nfl six months later you're going out three times a week buddy like you're still (laughs) watching. he's also young Yeah, God bless. It must be nice. Uh, I'm 12 years older than him. That's how I feel about life right now. Uh, But Mello, it is time the first time of the 2020 NFL season. It is blind review. You might introduce this blind review time. If you are
1: a new listener, uh, as Matt has alluded to, we do record our podcast on Thursday morning. They play the football game on Thursday night, but that's not going to keep us from reviewing the game that we think we probably saw tonight uh, in the future. In the past, for you guys. But I have this game going down to the wire. I do think we see a good ball game. I know that you can look at the odds. They have the Chiefs as a nine point favorite, they have the over under set at 53 and a half. Nailed the over last night. Seeing the Chiefs win 38-34. Mahomes coming out, balling, throwing the ball all over the field. I did expect a little bit more from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I think he's a rookie. We can give him some time to acclimate to the NFL. But what a win for the Chiefs, hitting the over on that 53-and-a-half. Uh, they didn't cover the nine points, but they got the win, and that's what's important in Kansas City.
0: Milla, what my takeaway Thursday night was that we have our new Brady Manning. You know, we've waited for it. What's it going to be? Well, it's Deshaun Watson against Patrick Mahomes. And we know they're locked up together for six more years on these teams. This is what we want in the NFL. I wish we had a Deshaun Watson with the talent that Patrick Mahomes has around him. He doesn't. But as you said, the uh, Chiefs offense, it's just too good. The run it back tour
2: continues. Absolutely. You watch these teams. This was a shootout central. This is what you wanted for the return of football. These two young quarterbacks and this Chiefs defense They have some time to get it together. I know that, you know, they they had some holes last night that kept the Texans in this game, let the Texans cover in this game, but nobody was stopping that Chiefs offense. And you go back to the Texans, it's good to see Will Fuller healthy, good to see Will Fuller explosive on the field. That touchdown from Deshaun Watson to him, the deep one, was just absolutely perfect. But like we said, nobody was stopping the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a 14-win season in Kansas City. There it is. Blind review. Let's take a break. We
0: come back. We're going to give you our NFL picks for the weekend and break down the NFC West. It feels so good to just be back in this chair on a football Thursday morning. We are going to pick some games. We just blind reviewed Thursday Night Football for you. Now it's time to look ahead to Sunday football. And normally, uh, on a normal week, we would have some college games in here. I'm going to be honest, there's not a college game worth picking. I wanted there to be. I was like, oh, Syracuse, North Carolina. Spreading that game is enormous. It's not worth picking. uh, So we're not going to do that. All NFL today. Five games for you to look at, guys. Seahawks at Falcons, the first one. I expected a little more division on the picks with this one. We ain't getting it. Uh, I believe Seattle is the best team in the NFC this year. I know Seahawks fans are like, where's the pass rush coming from? I think Jerron Reed, they drafted Alton Robinson, and they don't need a superstar pass rusher to be good. It's funny because you get those folks who are like, Javion Clowney can't even rush the quarterback. And then you get people who are like, well, their best pass rusher is gone. Which is it? God damn it. Like, is he not good at it or is it, are they bad because he's gone? I think the Seahawks, I'm never going to bet against Russell Wilson having a 10-win season because he that's all he does. And I do think we see that offense open up more this year. I think the Falcons do bounce back a little bit, but this secondary ain't ready for Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and all the weapons that they have.
1: It wasn't somebody even saying that, like, I think it was a Russell Wilson quote, that, like, they're going to let him air it out a little bit a more cook, this year. is what he said. Yeah, I... I don't know if it's true. I don't know if Mr. Unlimited has it any, but I I love watching this guy play. And I think going up against the Falcons, I'm really intrigued by this team. I want to see what Todd Gurley can do in a new offense behind a little bit better of an offensive line but I'm with you, Matt. I'm going with the Seahawks, too. I know they're minus one and a half, but I think they cover that. Uh, I really think the Seahawks team is special uh, with the targets. You're getting DK for another year. I think he could have a breakout performance. I, I think that's maybe a little hindsight looking back at what he did. But I really like this offense. Get Chris Carson going. I think they can score a lot of points, and I think they can do enough to beat the Falcons, even though the game is in Atlanta.
2: There's plenty of questions with the Seattle team, right? You look at the offensive line. There's some holes, notably at right tackle. But, you know, you look at the defense. Where's the pass rush coming from? But Jamal Adams can actually handle some of that role. I think they'll get creative with him. I think Russ is a top two quarterback in the NFL and a player that just constantly elevates this team. And I think when you look at it, they match up well against Atlanta. Sure, Atlanta has all these weapons where they can score with Seattle, but I don't think they can ultimately pull this one off and and that's why the spread is tight. But I look at Seattle in this game and think they come out with a week one win against a Falcons team that if they could stay healthy they'll score a lot of points this year. I just want to see what that revamped pass rush looks like. Uh, with a young secondary before I really start betting on them to win big games again and that
0: division is tough for the Falcons and we're going to learn a lot about it in this one Tampa Bay Buccaneers at New Orleans Saints so Tom Brady travels to New Orleans to face Drew Brees guys the first time in NFL history where both starting quarterbacks have been over the age of 40 that is amazing in and of itself I'm taking Tampa in this one I know that my surprise folks I love this Tampa team like I've been raving about them We talk so much about the offense, like, oh, my God, Brady has Chris Godwin and all the tight ends, and he has uh, Gronk is back. Mike Evans might be slowed with a little bit of an injury. I think we're waiting to hear exactly what happens there. But even without Mike Evans, who's fantastic, this team's good enough to score a ton of points. But it's the defense that I'm excited for. I love this young defense. Devin White is a monster. Seeing him in year two is going to be great. Shaq Barrett coming off the edge. They got some monsters up front with Vita Vea. And oh, yeah, Levante David's probably the most underrated linebacker of the last 10 years in the NFL. I'm taking Tampa Tom to win his first game as a Buccaneer.
1: Yeah, and I think, Matt, you and I were having a conversation the other day about how good this Tampa Bay roster is. I know that everybody gets excited about Tom Brady and bringing in Gronk and everything that they've done. This was a damn good football team last year, and that defense was a huge part of it, but not so fast, my friend, because this game is played in New Orleans, and you know they're going to be pumping in that crowd noise anyway. <laughs> I have the Saints winning this one. I like the Bucks. I think the Bucks can win this division, but I think the Saints get this one at home opening weekend. I think that's just going to be too much. Saints win this one, but Bucks win the division.
2: One of the premier games of week one when you look at it. And I'm going to go with uh, Tampa Tammy down there with the Bucs. And they have so many weapons. I think there's going to be another shootout game, kind of like we like what you saw uh, Thursday night. Obviously, a lot of hype around the Bucs. The Saints aren't going anywhere yet. A little surprised to see the Bucs minus three and a half on this line. I think that's pretty steep. I guess it's because they are going to New Orleans. But I think we're going to see a reduce. Rejuvenated Rob Gronkowski. I do have a keen eye on the Mike Evans injury. That is concerning. But Chris Godwin, I think, will be the number one this year with the style that Brady plays. we see what they get from Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. An improved offensive line. Todd Bowles has that defense ready to go. I'm very high on the Bucks this year, understandably, and think they come out swinging week one. And little fantasy
0: tip, if you have our cousin, Scotty Miller, probably play him if Mike Evans is out. Absolutely. Probably play him yes. anyway. Like, I I'm, have
1: Mike <laughs> Evans on so many of my leagues, I'm so pissed.
0: Yeah, well, uh, week three, uh, he's your guy. Week three. Right now, get Scotty Miller in there because uh, Miller's never let you down. Uh, Browns at Ravens. This is a game you kind of see it on the schedule, and you're like, oh, okay. Well, Ravens were the best team in the AFC last year until the playoffs. Where do they start out this year? I think I'm watching this game to see both quarterbacks. Do they take that next step? Lamar Jackson was an MVP last year, 36 passing touchdowns, another 12 on the ground. He was amazing. Can he keep that pace up? For Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski is the offense we have wanted him in all along. He has a line now. He has weapons. Can the Browns take that next step? Because if they don't, I think that seat for Baker is getting real hot. If he can't get it done this year, we cannot see 20 interceptions like we saw last year. He's got to play better. So I'm focused on those. Two players when watching this game, but guys, I think it's all Ravens all day. This is the best roster in the entire NFL, in my opinion. That secondary is fierce. Can't wait to see our guy Deshaun Elliott step up. I think the Ravens win this one handily.
1: And I'm really excited about this game, too. I don't know that it'll be particularly close. Uh, It's an eight-point swing with the odds. I think the Ravens can probably cover that. I'm going to pick them to win, but I do want to see what Baker Mayfield does. I know that I'm a Baker hater. I'm leading the charge for that fan group, and I don't care. I like it. I want to see what he does against these aggressive corners. Marcus Peter, you know, you know he's going to attack the ball. Marlon Humphrey's probably one of the best corners in the league. Uh, that's a good pass rush that he's going to have to face. But I also think the Browns have done a really good job of surrounding him with pieces to be successful. They have three really good tight ends on that team. They've got a couple really good receivers, two really good running backs. They've worked to improve the offensive line. I really want to see what this offense can do. I think this is going to be a a marquee matchup, one of the games I'm most excited for. But I do think that the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, they're probably just a little too much for what Cleveland has right now. I I think that they win this game pretty easily.
2: Browns have done a lot of good things this offseason, but they are just not on the level that Baltimore is on for a week one game in a untraditional offseason At Baltimore. I don't think this game will be particularly close. I think that Ravens defense will be locked and loaded. I think Lamar Jackson will do what he does and constantly make plays with his feet. We'll see him air it out a little bit. I get Hollywood Brown in the mix. We know what this run game did last year. And now you just add J.K. Dobbins to the equation. I love Baltimore this year. Sorry, Browns fans. This is Ravens, and I think it's Ravens in a pretty big cover.
0: Yeah, uh, I think the Browns will be better. The Ravens are just too Good, from one north to the other, Packers at Vikings. This one will be interesting, although, of course, we're watching uh, the Yannick Ngakwe injury situation to see uh, are we going to have him out there on the field? Uh, this this is a big one. Aaron Rodgers in this offense where uh, they didn't give him many weapons over the course of the offseason. We're going to see a lot of Devontae Adams. The Vikings secondary is going to look a lot different. Going to be very young this year with Mike Hughes, Holton Hill, Jeff Gladney and Cameron Dansler. Four players uh, who I really liked, all of them coming out of college. Uh, and for that reason, guys, Guys, I'm actually taking the Vikings. I think even with Stephon Diggs gone, we're gonna see a healthy Adam Thielen. We're gonna see them getting the ball a ton to Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. And by the way, Justin Jefferson was a steal where they got him in the draft. So I'm gonna take maybe a surprise pick here and go with the Vikings. And Matt, I think this is where you're
1: crazy because last year the Packers went 13 and 3. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They added some really good pieces. No, I'm just kidding. I'm taking the Vikings <laughs> as well. I think our guy, uh, Garrett Greenlee, pretty excited here. two of us taking the Vikings. I really like this team. I think they can win the division even. Uh, I think we're going to see a changing of the guard in the NFC North. I know that the Packers are the Packers, uh, one of the historically greatest teams ever. But I think that the Vikings are really going to improve. I think that they see uh, a little window open here to make a Super Bowl run. I think Dalvin Cook is going to cook and and run all over this Packers defense. I have the Vikings winning uh, in a close game.
2: And I disagree with you guys on this one. The Vikings are favored by two and a half points. No Daniil Hunter is a big difference maker in this one. Does put a lot of pressure on Yannick Ngakwe. I like the Packers in this game. I like this Packers team a lot. I think they're going to be a very, very strong running football team. I think we're going to see uh, Aaron Rodgers come out and, and with a little bit more juice this year. And I think this defense with those Smith brothers up front, maybe the best pass rush duo in football, is going to give Kirk Cousins a long day. I'm curious to see where this Minnesota offense is. Without Stephon Diggs, I like Justin Jefferson, but once again, are they going to be at their best week one? I don't believe so. I'm going to go with the stability of this Green Bay team in an upset win. Yeah, Apologies. I
0: said Yannick Ngakwe, not Daniel Hunter. Don't freak out. It's Hunter who's injured, not Ngakwe. Deep breaths, everybody. Don't leave a one-star review. And finally, the last game. I didn't get to talk about it the other day because we were worried people would be like oh it's just a 49ers podcast but 49ers Cardinals and I am so excited to see these two offensive masterminds going head-to-head Kyle Shanahan and the Niners run game against Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals basically air raid passing offense it is going to be fun watching these two teams on the field the Niners can they cure their Super Bowl hangover we have not seen really anyone do this in a long time outside of the New England Patriots it's hard to get back to a Super Bowl. It's hard to repeat as NFC champs. I think the Niners stumble out of the gate. They've been plagued by injuries throughout training camp. I think chemistry is going to be off. Four guys like Brandon Ayuk, who has to be a huge part of this offense. Four guys like Debo Samuel. Can Trent Williams shake off the rust of not playing football for an entire season? I do like this Niners team. I do think they make the playoffs, guys. But I think the Cardinals get a week one stunner and beat the 49ers at home to start the season 1-0?
1: I think the 49ers do have a lot of questions. I think even their young receivers, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, they're, they're questionable. Like, are they going to play? And if they don't play, who the hell are you going to throw the football to? The thing that makes me pick the 49ers is that defense. I think they can find a way to at least slow down the Arizona Cardinals, high octane offense, but I think that it's going to be a close game closer than the seven point spread. I think the 49ers get the win, but it's going to be like a three or four point win.
2: This is a tough one to pick because the spread is pretty big. Last time I saw, I think it was around seven, uh, seven and a half points. Now, when you look at this game, Arizona's improved. I think the Niners are going to be ready to go. I'm a believer in the Niners. I'm picking the Niners. Matt, I think you have some fan uh, pessimistic nature to you right now that I get with the Jets all the time, so I completely understand it. I'm excited to see Kyler Murray. I'm excited to see DeAndre Hopkins. So it'll be an improved Arizona team, but with the Niners, I think it's one of those games where George Kittle just kind of dominates on his own. George Kittle in the air, in the passing game, obviously the run game clicking for those Niners, even with some injuries on the offensive line, uh, we know what their defense can do. So I'm excited to see the 49ers play football again. Kyle Shanahan, you give that guy a couple months to prepare for a matchup, he'll be fine. Niners win.
0: Anyone else excited that we might actually see Isaiah Simmons cover George Kittle?
1: I was just thinking that. like When Connor mentioned George Kittle, I was like, I really we want to see what happens with Buda Baker and Isaiah Simmons. I think they drafted Isaiah Simmons for a reason. I think one of those guys is going to be on him all night. You're probably just trading off like Kawhi and Paul
0: George. Like who's guarding the best guy out here? We're just going to take turns and hope that it works out for us. I cannot freaking wait. Football's back. Tweet us at stick to football. This is a great time. Leave that Apple Podcast review. What did we get right? What do we get wrong? What games are you looking forward to? We'll take a break. Then we get on some draft on draft. Uh, not quite on the draft. On draft, a little Lee a moment. Not so fast. We still have a freaking division to preview. My bad, guys. <laughs> Put the uh, beer down, Matt. Come on. We got right? a whole nother 2nd I'm so excited uh, for football that I keep forgetting we stuff to talk about football. Okay, the NFC West, we are going to preview it, break it down. Uh, I just gave a little of mine away, picking the Cardinals-Niners game. But they did win the division last year. Barely. I mean, it was close. All the way to week six, 17, excuse me, that Seahawks game coming down to the wire. What's the playoff seeding going to be? The Niners win that game. I am, as Connor said, I have some fan pessimism. Jimmy Garoppolo does not move me from six to midnight. Sorry, ain't doing it for me. Yes, he's handsome as hell. Not as a quarterback, though. Just not feeling it. Uh, So I do look at this team and I'm like, man, there's there's a lot of things to worry about. The injuries, uh, even if everybody's quote-unquote healthy week one, it has limited at least this ramp-up period. So I look at the Niners in a division that's incredibly tough. I think we're going to see them take a step back this year. That Super Bowl hangover does worry me. I have them going 10 and 6. Now the breakout player though and it's it's honestly even as a fan of this team, I've been a fan of this team for 30 years it's hard to find a breakout player, but I'm going to go with Raheem Mostert. I think he gets the lion's share of the carries. I still think that Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman are just stealing money from this organization with how little they play. They trade Matt Breida. I think Mostert becomes the dude for them. I have the Niners at 10-6. and 6. I do think they make the playoffs, but I think it's going to be a much, uh, as our old buddy Chris Sims likes to say, it's going to be a much tougher road to hoe this year. I think the Niners take a step back.
1: And I'm with you, and I'm not a Niners fan. My team beat them in the the Super Bowl. So I I don't have any uh, bias or hatred towards them at all. But I do think that they're going to suffer mightily from that Super Bowl hangover. And I think there are two young receivers being questionable or even just relying on them. And then George Kittle, how much of a beating can he take? If he's going to see so many targets this year, how much of a beating can he take? Can you count on that running game again to get things going? I have the 49ers going at nine and seven. And I know a lot of people are probably going to be shocked. You're going to be pissed off. This is a tough schedule though. They opening up against the Arizona Cardinals who I think really have improved. And I know Connor's even alluded to it before. This is the best conference in football or the best division in football. Uh, I don't have any of them losing, you know, Very much. And I think that when you look at their schedule, too, you have to beat Green Bay at New Orleans. You have to beat Dallas in Dallas. You have the Bills on the schedule. You have to play the Seahawks twice. I really like the 49ers defense, as I talked about earlier, but I do think that their offense is going to see some struggles this year, uh, even though they do have Kyle Shanahan, who's a great coach. This isn't me trying to hate on the 49ers, but I think that they're going to struggle a little bit. 9-7 and this year. My breakout player... It is hard to pick a guy on this team that I think is going to break out because I really think we know who a lot of these guys are. But I'm going to take Solomon Thomas. I I think they're relying on him a lot with Javon Kinlaw to step up and be a bigger player in this defense. And I think that he was a young guy coming out of Stanford where we said he's probably not pro-ready to get on the field right now But he's had some time to adjust now, and I think that we see him play up to his potential a little bit more. uh, Maybe not worthy of that 2017 third overall pick. But I do think that we can see him break out and start to show at least shades of the player we thought he was going to be coming out of Stanford.
2: My thought with this team, why they don't regress as much, is that the coaching can overcome the personnel losses that they dealt with this offseason. I have the Niners going 12-4. I do think they're going to be a really, really good team in a tough division this year. I think Kyle Shanahan is obviously good enough to coach them to wins week in and week out on offense. I think we'll see George Kittle continue to dominate. I think we'll see a pretty good run game. That offensive line just needs to get healthy. There's no doubt that Jimmy G uh, needs to be a little bit better this year. And the defense has to, you know, deal with some losses this year. And Robert Sala is somebody that I think did a really good job last year, but he has to continue that momentum. And my breakout guy is someone that quite frankly has already broken out in his first two seasons. But I want people to understand this guy is a star and that's Fred Warner. And in year three, I think he deserves the national recognition because what he did last year, you know, as a 23 year old linebacker where former third round pick, the expectations were not just were not this high. 118 tackles, Three sacks. He obviously has a ton of athleticism and coverage. Broke up nine passes. uh, Brought an interception back for a touchdown. Three force fumbles. This is just a chess piece for the middle of the defense that constantly disrupts plays. So I'm excited about this Niners team. I do think it's a tough division, uh, but I think they're equipped to handle it. And I have them. I think this is one of those things where I like if I tell myself they're going to 10 games and then win 13,
0: I'm going to run through a freaking wall. You know, say, like, oh, OK, I'm going to aim low and hopefully they overperform. Yeah, Absolutely. that's what you have to do as a fan. Uh, OK, how about the Seattle Seahawks? This is who I have winning the division. I love this team. And as I said before, people are like, where's the pass rush going to come from? Well, they're going to blitz the hell out of people because they have so much speed on defense. Uh, did we forget that they drafted Jordan Brooks? I think a lot of people did. You have Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks, the linebacker position. You have an offense that's just on the brink of something really special. You add third leg Greg. You get Will Disley back healthy. The tight end position is going to be fantastic. We know how deep they are at the running back position. Chris Carson, I think, is going to be very, very good this year. I like the Seahawks team. We just talked about you know the coaching of the Niners. I don't know that Pete Carroll gets enough credit for how good this team has been since he took over I, I have them as my NFC representative, uh, one of the NFC representatives, excuse me, in the title game. I think they're going to be very, very good this year. I'm at 12-4. and four. Uh, My breakout player for this team is Jordan Brooks. We're going to see him play, whether it's weak sideline backer. He and Bobby Wagner are not leaving the field. And I think what we saw from Jordan Brooks uh, in college was that ability. Sideline, sideline speed, a very, very good athlete. And when you pair him with another young guy like Alton Robinson, I know they think they're getting more out of L.J. Collier this year, who was a first-round pick in 2019. This is a team that has a lot of names, including Melo's guy Puna Ford in the middle, Jaron Reed, no suspension for him this year. That's going to be very, very big for that early impact. So I'm bullish on Seattle, and maybe it's just because I'm such a huge Russell Wilson fan, but he does not lose. Like This guy's a winning record every year in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I love him as well. And I think that with the pass rush, I want to see what Bruce Irvin can do. Now that he's back in Seattle, what kind of guy can he be? Uh, It's hard to tell. But I do think there's a reason why they didn't go after guys like Clowney and they didn't address pass rush in the draft. Maybe they are confident with what they have and they feel like uh, they're okay there. Bruce Irvin had eight and a half sacks last year. So I think bringing him back to this defense uh, can be enough. And when you look at the secondary, I, they're so strong. And you mentioned Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner, but also the, the addition of Jamal Adams can be very special. And the way that he's able to play in this role, in this defense, and, and you know, my breakout player, I don't want to sound like a Texas homer all the time, so I'm not going to take Puna Ford this year. I'm going with Quandre Dix. I think that him playing free safety next to Jamal Adams can be really special. It'll free him up to to create more plays. I, I think this is a guy that's really been slept on in his career, but I do think that he's one of a a very small group of players that has come from Texas, obviously, uh, to be successful in the NFL. And if it weren't for like his five nine height in the combine, I think we see him get drafted higher, and I think we see a little more attention go his way.
2: I'm, I'm done <laughs> with you today, Mello. I really can't. That was <laughs> that was perfect. But uh, all right, looking at Seattle here, I, I agree. I have them 11-5, and five, just like you, Melo. I think this is a team that is constantly elevated by the rare talent they have at quarterback. I, I think he wins not because of their offensive coordinator or because of their offensive line, but in spite of those things. And, and I think now, if DK Metcalf can stay healthy this year... Got some weapons at wide receiver. I mean, the the always underrated uh, Tyler Lockett there. So I, I look at this team. We know they're going to run the football a lot. I do think the pass game can be a little bit more dangerous this year when you have two wide receivers that are that productive. And I look at this backfield, it's probably going to take an injury or some kind of opportunity to rise for my breakout player to really get a chance. But I'm going to go with DJ Dallas, who had a great camp, has shown that he might be the future in Seattle. And this is a team that has dealt with so many injuries at the running back position over the years that I think that opportunity uh, might come up. What I'm interested with Seattle, uh, can they overcome the loss of Jadavion Clowney? What kind of impact does Jamal Adams make for that team on the back end? Uh, one thing that I, I have not seen any answers on at the time is what is going to happen with Quentin Dunbar. He's somebody they expected to make a really big impact for them at the cornerback position, but his name has resurfaced in this case with DeAndre Baker when it looked like for a while that, you know, he was in the clear and now it doesn't look like that at all and this is not the timing if they're ever you know you never want to deal with these things but especially before week one of the season so I have some questions with the Seattle defense which make no mistake was not a good unit last year but can Jamal Adams elevate them probably and and can this offense do enough and even take a step forward I think so as well that's why I have them with an 11 and 5 playoff record Ah, man I love this I love how
0: competitive this division is going to be you're right with that Quentin Dunbar thing like that has not maybe been talked about it's gonna, enough. Starting yeah, corner, yeah, and they're relying on him a lot. I mean, they're that young secondary is good, but they're going to be relying on that uh, on him in big, big ways. Two years ago, the Los Angeles Rams barely lost the Super Bowl. That feels like an eternity ago. Right now, can Sean McVay develop? Can he acclimate? Can he improve as a coach? I think we saw year one; no one could keep up with the, what this guy's doing. I think we saw last year; people caught up to it. Can he take that next step? I mean, the entire support staff below him basically got turned over. And you've heard all the stories about, oh, Brandon Staley's going to fix this defense. Man, if Wade Phillips couldn't do it, I don't know if Brandon Staley can. I hope he can because that's be a great story. But this team needs a lot of help, and I think that starts on the offensive line. The talent here is still very, very good, though. You have the best defensive tackle in the world. No matter what you see on Twitter, he can't stop the run. You have arguably the best corner in football in Jalen Ramsey. And then on offense, like say what you will about Jared Goff, he can execute an offense, and they have Cooper Cup, they have Robert Woods, they got weapons all over this team. I think we need to see a young player break out at linebacker to replace Corey Littleton, at running back to replace Todd Gurley, and guys, that's where I'm going my breakout player is Micah Kaiser, linebacker who we evaluated coming out of Iowa a couple of years back. I think he is going to have to fill in and play that role that we saw uh, excuse me. That we saw uh, Corey Littleton play, where man, he's going to have to step up. I think he has the talent to do it. I absolutely do. Uh, even as kind of being a mid-round pick, I think Micah Kaiser at college showed us he can be that guy playing on the inside linebacker spot in what's going to be you know a back to kind of a true four-three defense. I think Micah Kaiser can absolutely get it done. I have this team in another division. I would have them with more wins. I'm going to be honest about that. I have them at 9-7, and which is what they did last year. We think about last year like, oh, the Rams sucked last year. They almost made the playoffs last year with seven teams Making the playoffs this year, I would not be surprised if the NFC West sends three teams.
1: And I'm going to be the low man here. I have the Rams going seven and nine. I look at this depth chart and I just see a lot of holes. I see a lot of really special players like an Aaron Donald, like uh, Jalen Ramsey, even Cooper Cup, who I loved coming out of college. I just look at the offensive line and the linebackers. I don't see how this team really competes. I have them finishing seven and nine and last in this division, uh, which I do think is a shocker here. But like I said, I think there are a lot of holes, and, and I wonder what Jared Goff can do in another year. Like, have have defenses gotten caught up to Sean McVay? Do they know what's kind of coming with this Rams offense? I'm not rooting against them. I don't want to sound like a hater, but I do have a lot of questions here, and I just don't see a lot of talent on this roster that makes me believe. You can compete and you can win a couple games against the 49ers, against the Seahawks, and the up-and-coming Cardinals. One guy that I am looking forward to seeing, and I do think that he can have a breakout, is Van Jefferson, a receiver out of Florida. Great route runner. I think he's very pro-ready. You hear a lot of good reports coming out of him out of camp. I think Cooper Cup is going to see a lot of targets. Robert Woods is pretty good, but I still think they need another receiver, and Van Jefferson can come in and be that probably third guy Just a pro-ready, pro-approach, knows what to do on a Sunday, gets ready for the game, goes out and performs. I think he's going to be a very special rookie and have a very good rookie season.
2: Uh, This is a tough one, this team, right? Because you can go back to the argument I had with the Niners and say, hey, coaching can pull them through here. My thing with the Rams are, number one, Kyle Shanahan was undoubtedly, and the Niners staff, was better than the Rams last year. The Niners are a better team on paper still than the Rams. you said it, Mello. There's a lot of problems with this roster right now that we don't know if they can overcome. Most notably the offensive line, which is vital for a pocket passer like Jared Goff. So and it sounds like I'm so down and out in the Rams. Not necessarily. I have them at eight and eight. I think they're right in the middle of tre- they're just treading water right now. I love Sean McVay. There's a lot of talent on this team, a lot of young talent. My breakout guy is one of those young talents and cam makers. It feels like the door is wide open for him to kind of be this year's Miles Sanders, where, you know, maybe weeks one through four or early on, it's a slow start by the second half of the season. You look at this guy and go, he's a franchise three down back that can catch the ball, that can run inside, can run outside. So there are things I like with the Rams, but it's a recipe for disaster in terms of the playoffs because of the division they're in, the offensive line woes, really the roster woes pending salary cap hell which is going to really limit what they could do this offseason so you know if I'm wrong about this one then so be it but right now I think the Rams are just stuck right in the middle of this NFL yeah
0: it does feel it and as we were talking about with the Jalen Ramsey thing it's like they have to kind of rebuild on the fly you know like without without, without having the picks. picks you know to be able to do that so it's going to put a lot of pressure on Les Snead to Sean McVay to get Get those picks right. You can't miss with a second-round pick. Like, your second-round pick is incredibly important. And on to the Arizona Cardinals, as I spoiled earlier. I have this team beating the 49ers week one. I think it's a good team. And there's still questions about the offensive line. I still don't know how important that is with the Cliff Kingsbury offense. I watched it at Texas Tech. Not that important, I can tell you that. Uh, Kyler Murray is one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. And now you give him DeAndre Hopkins, Kendon Drake. Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, like this offense is just poised to explode this year. And I think the defense got better. Yes, Pat Pete is a little bit old, but whether it's Byron Murphy, Buddha Baker, Isaiah Simmons, Chandler Jones, the most underrated defensive player in the entire NFL, this is a good team. I have them at seven and nine, fellas. The schedule's tough. They might be a year away. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they flip with the Rams and end up nine and seven. Not at all. Wouldn't be surprised if that's what we see happen. But my breakout guy is Kyler Murray. And I know that might seem like, man, he was good last year. He was good last year, but it's a breakout year. I think we see him take that second-year quarterback jump, cut down on the turnovers, and still give us the big plays. I think the game is going to slow down for him. We're going to see more of that athleticism that we saw at Oklahoma. I don't know that we see 12 interceptions from him this year. I sure as hell hope we don't see 48 sacks. Hopefully the offensive line is a little bit better, adding someone like Josh Jones, but also... The game's slowing down for Kyler Murray where he can speed up and get out of some of those situations. So he's my breakout player. More than 20 touchdowns coming for him this year.
1: And I think that I've been a kind of Cliff Kingsbury questioner, not hater, but I wondered, is it going to work in the NFL? And I I think that the answer is yes, it is working. I like what they were able to do last year. I like what they're building here. Obviously, a guy like Isaiah Simmons, what he's going to bring to the defense. Buda Baker, another year uh, in another confidence role there he's going to have as a leader. But I like this team. And when you look at their schedule, I think that they're going to get off to a very hot start. Obviously, they open up against the 49ers. Matt, you even think they can win that game. Uh, But then they go, they have Washington, they have Detroit, they have at Carolina, they have at the New York Jets. I think that after their first five games, you could be looking at a 4-1 and season. And then after that, what are they going to do? They have, they play the Dolphins. They play the Giants. They play the Rams twice. I think this is a team that can get a sneaky eight and eight record and look very good. I do think this is a very good division. None of us have anyone in this division winning less than seven games. And my breakout player is going to be Byron Murphy, a second year guy. This was the 33rd overall pick in the draft just last year. I think that he's going to be much more confident. And when you look at the way he played last year, he was forced to play on the outside uh, because they, they had they didn't have corner depth. And then Patrick Peterson not being there for a couple weeks, I think that he was thrown into a role that he wasn't ready for. I think this year we see him more in the nickel where he can really thrive and be what they wanted him to be all along. So Byron Murphy, my breakout player for the Arizona Cardinals.
2: It is crazy how many wins we, all, we have coming out of this division. I mean, the last place Cardinals... Matt has them 7 and 9. Mello has them 8 and 8. He has the Rams last place in this division 7 and 9. I have the Cardinals 7 and 9. That's a lot of wins for a last place team. It's a good football team. It's a rebuilding team where the rebuild is on the right trajectory, right? Where you look at 2021 and you could feel very comfortable about the Cardinals competing. One more off season where they get to put more pieces in play. It's the second year of DeAndre Hopkins with Kyler Murray. Cliff Kingsbury is a guy that's really starting to get his feet wet in the NFL. So I look at Arizona, and I'm just a big fan of what they've been doing. My breakout player is somebody they got on the cheap uh, that has been super productive for them, and I want to see what it looks like in a full season. That's Kenyon Drake. You know, had had a good year at Miami. And then they just soured on him and they dumped him to Arizona. And, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And for Kenyon Drake, good for you for finding a place where your pass catching ability, your explosiveness on the outside run game can be utilized. So I'm excited to, you know, Arizona is probably the team I predicted to finish in last place this year that I'm most excited to watch week in and week out. And seven wins is You know, for the path that they're on with a really, really young quarterback, a really, really young head coach, I think things are moving in the right direction. I do think this defense is going to have to answer some questions this year. They're going to have to really prove it before everybody starts vaulting them into being a winning team in the toughest division in football. But like I said, things are going in the right direction. Definitely pointing up and again,
0: let us know where do we get it right? Where do we get it wrong? Who are your breakout players? That's it. We have previewed it all from the AFC East all the way to the NFC West. Coast to coast, we covered it. Now we get to take a break and do Draft on Draft. All right, it's finally Draft on Draft time. I've teased it all show. We're finally here. Great time to, I, gosh, I wish we had some. Uh, we have some. We have i on our desk. Some adult beverages to crack open and enjoy while doing this. But let's start with one of the greatest human beings in the world, Jared Brown. First question. Of all the opt-outs, who do you wish hadn't opted out so that you could see them play more And if so, what are the games you were hoping to see? So like my guys who've opted out, I'll be honest, there's not any of the top tier guys from like, oh man, why did he opt out? Like, I don't need to see more Jamar Chase. I don't need to see more Penny Sewell. Like we know what they are. So I'm not worried about that. I think for me, it's like when you get to those guys that, you know, it's like a Jalen Twyman where gosh, really would have liked to see him play this year just to watch the development or. Tyler Shelvin uh, is probably a big one. I would like to see Tyler Shelvin go against Georgia where they have a very, very good interior line. Go against those Alabamas where they have a good interior line. So I think Tyler Shelvin and then uh, looking at Jalen Twyman, so 2D linemen would be the the guys that ah, I wish could have seen a little more.
1: Yeah, and I am going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to take Sewell just because that Oregon schedule was so loaded at the beginning of the year. So even like the North Dakota State game, I wanted to see Trey Lance versus Javon Holland. But even the second one, this weekend we were supposed to get uh, Ohio State-Oregon. And to see the young pass rushers that Ohio State has to get tested against a Penny Sewell, that gives you a really good look at not only who is Penny Sewell, but Who's Zach Harrison? Is he going to be a guy that can be a Chase Young type player? And we just don't know. So the, out of the opt out guys, I kind of cheat and take a Pac 12 player. But the other guys that have opted out that are going to play, uh, I, Caleb Farley was the guy I was looking forward to seeing him play. I think there are some really good receivers in the ACC that could have tested him, and I do think that it's going to be tough because now he's right there with a Patrick Sertain, who is going to be played and who is going to be tested all year and be able to raise his stock up versus guys like Farley and Sean Wade who are not able to play this year.
2: For me, this one is Gregory Rousseau. Just because it's very hard to know where to be at with him in his evaluation, right? Like, I like him as a player. I, I had him in the top 15. I think he's a first-round player. But we saw one monster year as a young player, right, in a sophomore season. And he, his alignments, you know, were all over the place, right? Sometimes he plays nose. Sometimes he plays on the edge. Five tech, three tech, which is good. It's great to see a guy excel from a lot of different areas. But... You know, pr- projecting this guy, projecting pass rushers is one of the hardest things as a scout in the first place. You see guys miss all the time uh, for a lot of different reasons. You know, a guy like Derek Barnett comes to mind. Barkevius Mingo comes to mind. You know, really high picks that just did not turn into these consistent pass rushing threats that you, you hoped for. So when you have one year of tape for a guy that is projected as probably a top 10 pick Top 15 pick you wanted. I wanted to see more with Rousseau, and, and I'm I'm a fan of his. Um, you know, everybody says the character is great, which makes you feel a lot more comfortable about it. But just overall, the film in general was something that I'd hope to have more of.
0: Yeah, that's a good one, because it's kind of that raw development guy.
2: And you don't have all the answers to
0: the questions. Anthony Ramondi. Who's going to be the forty yard dash king at the combine? This is a great question, and I love that we're already talking about it. And uh, if you're one of those folks that likes to bet on combine prop bets, I have the answer for you. It is Anthony <laughs> Schwartz, the wide receiver from Auburn. Oh yeah, he. I know I was forgetting
1: someone. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's like oh, everybody's like Jalen Waddle. No, it's Anthony Schwartz at Auburn. He is just let me tell you, He's the fastest player in college football. He ran a one five hundred meter. That's a youth record, by the way. He won the Florida Class to a 100-meter two years later with a 10.07. 10.07 in the 100-meter, and he runs a 20.4 in the 200-meter, and he had, like, wait till he trains for the 40. He might break the record. Yeah,
1: and I did forget about him, and obviously, I think the cheat is like Jalen Waddle. I do think Jalen Waddell is special, fast, and even last year, we were talking about, like, who would win in a race, Henry Ruggs or Jalen Waddle? and I do think it was close. But, uh, Matt, you're 100% correct on this one. Anthony Schwartz, Google him. Look at his Wikipedia page. Anthony Schwartz is an American sprint athlete and college football Who player. plays football? He's they, a sprinter yeah, who plays football. He's, he's going to maybe have a chance at running the fastest 40 ever, depending on what the surface looks like in Indianapolis, but uh, that is definitely the correct answer.
2: I mean, it's you're talking about maybe Olympic speed with Anthony Schwartz. Like that's how special. I mean, he was a Gatorade national track and field athlete of the year. Like that award, I got to help with it twice and neither of them was for track. It goes to the premiere of the premiere of the high school athlete in the country is what it does. So that, I mean, you're talking about 2018. This was the guy out of male track athletes. So Yes, Matt. That is that is a uh, a safe bet. I mean, when you talk about maybe an Olympic sprinter, I guess if you want to get one more guy in the mix here, I think two two Atwell from Louisville Very would be another one who will probably go. He looks like MeCole Hardman kind of speed. It maybe even like four two nine. He's he could fly. He could fly. But, I,
0: I, man, Schwartz. Whew. My first mock draft, I it came out Monday, I think, and I was telling Mello, uh, I had like this epiphany. It was like, maybe I told you guys. I don't know. I talked to you too much. It was like, I had Tutu Atwell to the Chiefs in the second round. It was like, I know they don't need him, but please, God, let Doesn't this matter. happen. right? <laughs> let this happen because it's just such a
2: perfect fit for what he can do. So, here's a question for you because this is what I love to do. I love to just throw scenarios at you guys. Would you, in the off season? trade Tyree Kill for a first round pick if you knew you can get 2-2 Atwell in the second round so I wouldn't I wouldn't okay. I, I don't think like guys like that are, are finished enough now
0: could I have done it and got Henry Ruggs eh, maybe <laughs> like maybe but I'm also like so anti trading a player to replace a player like when the Niners did that with Buckner and drafted Kinlaw yeah. it's like you're trading a sure thing for a prospect like I hate when teams do that I, I-
2: yes but you'd get a one to use on the defense yeah and you'd say, but
0: Veach wouldn't draft a defender in the first round. So it yeah, wouldn't matter, right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: He'd take 2 2 out well in the first yeah. round, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd probably right. save the draft pick, too. I think there's a lot of needs that they're going to have to replace since they paid everyone this offseason. So I'd probably keep Tyreek in the first round pick.
0: Yeah, man, it's fun to think about though. Uh, Nicole Antonio, uh, we had a question for her about if I can Venmo Connor to bet for me. So let us know, Nicole. What NFL player will be the first one to do the WAP dance as a touchdown celebration? Oh, oh my man. gosh! Someone's got to Someone's got it. I mean, right? I feel like Odell's the right answer, but like he's going through some shit. Yeah, intended, he, I, so. I
1: think he's going
2: to keep it quiet for a little bit. <laughs> he played it really well, though. On his Instagram post, I got to give Odell credit. I feel like young Odell would be like a little, you know, sensitive to the issue and he had fun with it instead. I think the first
1: guy that we see do it, I'm going to go Travis Kelsey and probably happened oh, like yes. last night, <laughs> like some version of it. I don't know if he's like <laughs> doing hip thrust on the ground or not, but I feel like he probably has done the WAP dance, uh, maybe not
0: in public or socially, but I, I feel like he's probably practiced a little bit. I could see Kelsey doing it, yeah. And he has the right personality. It's those damn tight ends who would do it. You know, who I hope it's like Sam Darnold. I hope it's just like this buttoned up, you know, like Ryan like, Fitzpatrick. Right, right. Just like someone who you don't expect to do it. Or Matt Ryan? Matt, yeah. Matt Ryan did the WOP. I didn't even know he knew what that meant. Uh, Atlanta would love him. Oh, they would. You're right. They absolutely would. Cody Manning asks, without picking the Chiefs, Niners, or Jets, which NFL team is the STF crew going to cheer on during this season? I find myself like, I don't know if you guys have caught it. I don't really root for the Niners. Like, that's my team. I don't really like, I'm not living and dying with wins and losses there. I think the team that I find myself rooting for, the Cardinals, is definitely a team that I find myself rooting for. And then, like, not necessarily Big Ben, but the Pittsburgh Steelers because they have so many players that I really, really like.
1: Yeah, they have a lot of players that I really like, too. I'm not, like, a huge Ben Roethlisberger fan, but like I've said before, like, that's kind of the way that I played football. So I do find myself rooting for him. I don't know if there's, like, one team outside of our three favorite teams that we're all kind of rooting for. Maybe the Titans just because of Rabel being there and that defense that they have. Yeah, I can see us all three getting on board with that one. This one's easy. Whoever's
2: playing Seattle. Each week, so the Jets pick higher. Uh, no, in all seriousness, not really, though. I will root for whoever's playing Seattle each week. Um, I always like to watch. I always root for the Ravens because I love Lamar Jackson. And I just think they are the they're like the gold standard for somebody that is you know, aspires to be an NFL scout with the way they build their front office. I love Deshaun Watson, so I'll always root for, I don't like the Texans very much, like I'm not a Bill O'Brien guy, Um, I think JJ Watt does a lot of good things, I'm not a JJ Watt fan though, on the field at all, Right. so I root for Deshaun, I love Deshaun Watson, Uh, there's a lot of players I just root for, there's not really a team necessarily. I do low-key, like, it's funny we just talked about this, like, I kind of like the Cardinals because I like Cliff and Kyler and like they're they're different. There's something different about Arizona and, and, you know, it's a tough division. So that's a tough question to answer. Honestly, it is. And like I I definitely like Baltimore a lot. I mean, we have a lot of friends who play and have played there.
0: Uh, The pride of Joplin, Brandon Williams is a starter for them. So the Ravens, I don't know if Melo could get on board with the Ravens. Because, no, I like, like the Ravens. You're going to meet the Chiefs. Yeah, point. like <laughs> I, I do think that that is kind of like
1: a, a rivalry that's being built. It's like, who's going to be Mahomes' rival? Is it going to be Watson? Is it going to be Lamar Jackson? But outside of like, I love the Ravens. I really do. I It sucks that they're in the AFC. If they were an NFC team, it would be a much easier route for me. But I, I love all their players. Like even Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobson. I really like the Ravens. So maybe that's our official pick.
0: Yeah, I'm down for that. Definitely down. Antonio Rascala wants to know, last question, guys, who's your under-the-radar player you're most excited to see in the Pac-12 or Big Ten this season that, unfortunately, we will not see? Uh, that is a very tough question. I really like Elijah Molden at Washington. Oh, I thought you were about to
1: take my guy who's, like, so under the radar. Oh,
0: no, that was my, those, that was my <laughs> guy. And then I like C.J. Verdell, the running back. So I guess, like, Oregon and Washington. I had a couple guys that I really liked there. Who's your guy? Elijah Vera Tucker. Oh, the guard at USC? The guard at
1: USC. I really think that he's pretty damn good. Uh, And he just opted out. I think it was yesterday, too. But he's a guy that has had my attention ever since I started doing, like, the college football preview that I do. I think that he has a chance to be really special. And maybe not, like, a high draft pick, but could come in and still be a kick-ass guard. Even though, I mean, second, third-round pick, I think he can be very successful.
2: Man, that that is really tough. You know what started to happen to me? Once they shut down their seasons, unless a guy opted out, I didn't watch. I stopped watching, devoting time to constant Pac-12 and Big Ten football and just start shifting to SEC, ACC, you know, obviously the Big 12, because it's like, am I going to keep di- deep diving for these under-the-radar players I want to watch all year that won't have a season? That was the problem I ran into. Like, I keep going back to it, like... Chris Rump is a guy that I can't wait to watch this year because he can go from a third round player to a top 20 pick kind of thing. So that's tough. And I think it's a lot of the not so under the radar. Like I wanted to see the Oregon secondary. I wanted to see that USC offensive line. Uh, I want to see the USC wide receivers like, and Matt, you brought up, you know, after going out to Washington last year, when USC came to town, like that secondary, that young secondary is for real. And I'm glad you brought up Molden because they had a lot of players that I was surprised either weren't draft eligible or just chose not to declare. Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to be, it's still going to be fun. It's still going to be exciting. Uh, also, like Thursday night,
0: uh University of Miami plays. Uh, we get to yeah, see Jerry King, the undefeated UAB Dragons for now. For now. <laughs> uh,
1: well, not Friday morning when people are listening. Probably to not. This.
0: Uh, that is our show. We will be back Tuesday morning. Enjoy the first official weekend of football. Y'all know we will. Uh, make sure you're following us each individually on Twitter at Mello, at Connor J. Rogers, and at NFL Draft Scout. I know there will be tons of content for you this weekend, so you'll enjoy it. Be safe. Have fun. We'll talk to you soon.